welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. This week I'm joined by co-host Laurie, as well as a, a special guest, is somebody from the forum called who goes under the name of One Man Clapping, and his his real name is Greg. Hello, Greg. How are we doing, Craig? Hi, Laurie. How you doing? All right. How how are you, Greg? Yeah, not too bad. Sitting here, um, ready for my first SFF podcast, and um, rearing to go. Right, good one, good one. So we'll start off with uh, looking at the SPL games, and I suppose uh, the first game we should be looking at is the Dundee United Rangers game, which is live on ESPN on Saturday lunchtime. Uh, I don't know if either of you's watched it, but it was. Uh, I won the win for Rangers, but it was. I don't know if I want to use the word lucky, but it was it was close. Maybe a, a draw would have been fair if the, the sending off hadn't occurred. But but yeah, one 0 Rangers. Did any just watch it? I saw the highlights. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think from as far as I could gather from what I saw, I think the the sending off certainly assisted Rangers. It did look an open game even after it to degree, but it certainly seemed to obviously give them that numerical advantage and they did capitalise. Still a few scares for them. Rankin hitting the post near the end, but it's a tough place to go, Tanadice, so I think McCoyce would definitely have taken it and seemed on the balance that Rangers did shade it, but I think that's sending off kind of stupidity from Johnny Russell. I think that'll be maybe the main thing that United will regret about the game and wonder what you know they could have done for the rest of the match if he hadn't basically <laughs> been an idiot and got, got and Got himself sent off for just stupidity. I don't even know. I don't know what um, Broadfoot must have said. Something that he took the wrong way. But there you go. Yeah, I, I, same as Laurie. I've, I've I've seen the highlights now, and I I listened to a wee bit on the radio yesterday. But um, more or less the same. I mean, United looked as though they had they had some good possession and um, and probably the bulk of the chances. But yeah, as soon as you get a man sent off against the old firm, um, you just know you're going to be suspect. Um, to them creating chances and, and probably losing a goal further down the line, and that's that's exactly what happened. Um, the only other thing that I really noticed from the highlights was the was a penalty claim for for Dundee United, which I've seen it a few times now, and I, I just it's a dodgy one. I think it depends which angle you see it from, and I think it depends which uh, which team you support. If you're a United fan, <laughs> I, th- I think you're screaming for that one, and if you're a Rangers fan, I think you can um, probably make a, a good argument that the the United player was looking for it, but yeah, I mean, two two um, two sort of big decisions here: the penalty and, and I mean, the sending off is, was as daft a sending off as I've ever seen. I think. I think the the, the penalty claim. I think I, I was kind of disappointed in Swanson because, see if he'd kept running, I think he was going to be brought down. I think uh, his decision to to somehow dive into it, I think it just it made the referee's mind up. Because I, I do think it was he was brought down. I do think it was a penalty, but the way the way he dived, it just it just made it look suspect. The one of the replays showed that I think it was Goyan. I think he did actually get a touch on the ball, but it was it was it was so so minute that there's no way the referee is going to see that. No, nobody's going to see that live. Was I mean I don't know if it's a case of Swanson's reputation preceding him because. I have to say, he does do it quite a lot. He d- mm. he likes to go down easily, and to be honest, I don't think that's a penalty. And even though I know they get given, and um, I was actually listening to um, Talk Sport the other week. Um, last week it was, and Stan Collymore was making a really good point that 
he doesn't understand what's happened with the game where everyone's like, oh, there was a touch, so it means it's a penalty. Mm-hmm. Because was it not, was it surely it started that it was a touch, but it has to be a touch that would bring you down. I mean, it's a contact sport, it's football. You're going to touch players sometimes, but if it's not enough to bring you down, yeah. then surely it's not a penalty. That's why I don't yeah. think Christoph Bear is yeah. a penalty for, for Scotland, even though I see them given all the time and everyone's like, oh no, there was a wee brush. It's Bear's what, yeah. what yeah. 6'4 or 6'3 something? He's a big lad, you know, he <laughs> Just because someone touches you doesn't mean that's a penalty. And I think it's it's gone too far now that everyone does it. It looks like if there's any brush, any nick, you know, any contact at all, then that's cue to to throw yourself to the ground and it should be a penalty. And, I, mean, I think, it, to be honest, it needs to get addressed a bit because, to me, it should be if you get touched and it's enough to bring you down as a penalty or it blocks you or it causes, you know, it changes, you know, changes your run or it slows you down or whatever. But it has to interfere with what's going on and Swanson did the, the typical thing where you drag your legs and it just it's it doesn't look natural at all it's not what happens when someone gets fouled and someone gets yeah. taken out of the game properly I, I don't like it at all and I think Swanson has a bit of a reputation for doing it I think the the referee the fact that they are coming out and booking people for diving so it does seem that they are trying to trying to stamp down on it but I don't know in doing that they're they're obviously putting the backs up of the the team the supporters of of the guy who who was maybe brought down but just because he he made the most of it he's getting booked. It's like anything though, just because of the recent incidents you'll find that maybe it gets a bit popular to to book players for diving for a couple of weeks. But I don't know. I I think players will continue to do it and players will continue to get penalties from it and it will continue to annoy me. And don't get me wrong, Hearts players have done it. Four hearts as well, before anyone mentions a certain Scotland match. (laughs) (laughs) Hearts players have done it, and, you know, I don't like when they do it. I don't like when any player, even my own team, does it if there's no touch at all. I don't particularly like players doing it when there's the slightest touch, but that's kind of the way the rules work, and that's when, whilst you get penalties for doing it, they're going to keep going down with the slightest of touch. So I don't know if you can really blame the players now, because... You know, if it's if it's nil nil in the Edinburgh Derby and Templeton gets a slight nick and goes down and we get a penalty, I'm not going to be uh, overly angry about yeah, it. I'll, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I think I think for me the um, the telling point with with incident yesterday was that if you look at um, if you look at Swanson's reaction when he doesn't get the penalty and he does get booked, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of argument from him. And I think you can generally tell by players they know if they've if they've gone down easy or not. And I think yeah. in that instance yesterday that was. That was definitely the case, but it's it's a good it's a good point that, that you guys are making because especially you know thinking back to you know the Scotland game last weekend and, and the incident with, with Brer at the end. I mean, if, if somebody stands in your foot, the instant reaction isn't to throw yourself on the ground. If somebody stands in your foot, you immediately draw your foot up. And I think it's that whole thing. There was no doubt there was there was contact made there, but that contact isn't enough to make you go sprawling. You know, six feet. Um, six feet on the ground, so yeah. yeah, it's kind of one of these as well. I mean, I remember uh, it's a really subjective thing because it is sitting here in the, in the podcast, and we'll all agree it's kind of not the done thing to for players to be doing. But I remember Jamie Murphy taking a cracker a dive at Ibrox. Um, I think it was a couple of seasons ago. It was like a, the game finished for each, and it's it's as uh, ridiculous a dive as I've ever seen. But I don't remember that afternoon me being particularly disgusted with Jamie Murphy. I think I was. Uh, I think I was claiming for penalties and sending yeah. offs and everything else. So it's it's one of these, isn't it? You're you're never going to, um, 
you're never going to decline a penalty given in that fashion. But yeah, I mean the referees, it's down to them really to be to be seen to be stamping this out. It's 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 the ruling, yeah. I mean the players are going to keep doing it, and I I get that you you know I I get that the ultimate aim is obviously to win games, and by getting penalties and scoring goals, that's how you win games. But sometimes, you know, part of you feels that there should be a bit more honesty about it, but maybe that's just being a bit naive. Yeah, but yeah. I was I found it enjoyable on the, on the forum when we were discussing the the Broadfoot incident and whether Russell brought him down or not. Uh, I found it interesting that that we're all looking at the same incident, we're all looking at the same replays, and I was adamant that Broadfoot was clipped. I would say three times, and uh, there was a there was a couple on the forum agreed, but then there was also a couple on the forum that. That said the exact opposite and said he, he wasn't touched. So I think it, I think it's good that, that one of the good things about football is we're all watching it, we're all seeing the same pictures, but making taking different things from them. I think it, I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, and, and on on the subject of the Broadfoot in that incident, um, I suppose to the guy's credit, he didn't make more of the of what was what was a nothing head, but. But how many times have we seen that happen and, and players drop to their knees and clutching their face? I mean, to be fair to the big guy, he, he, he more or less sort of laughed off, held his nose a wee bit and laughed it off. So yeah. I suppose for that perspective, he, 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 I mean, he's, he's due a wee bit of credit for doing that as well. Others might not have been as uh, been as honest in the reaction to that. Yeah, other Rangers players. Yeah, yes. I, think, I can think of one yeah. specifically, yep. yeah. <laughs> so looking at the... So the result was 1-0 to Rangers. So looking at the, the predictions from last week, I had went for 3-1 to Rangers. So I got one point in the, the predictor for that. Laurie, you went for 2-1. So another point for you. But John, or, or JB, he went for 1-0 to Rangers. So he's, he's shown us up straight away. Yep, continues his good form. Yeah, Greg... What did you go for for that game? I've got a funny feeling I might have taken a score draw for that one. I think I'd maybe gone one each for that. So uh, nothing doing for me. But as you'll see from my league position in the predictor, that's not entirely surprising. Although I did, I missed a week. I'm claiming I missed a week, so I'm a oh, week right. Right. That's what they all say. <laughs> so uh, uh, the next game that I thought we'd talk about is a game that you might appreciate, Greg. It's uh, the Celtic Motherwell game. Yeah, nothing to see here. Let's uh, let's skip past that one and go straight to the Kamarnock game. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I think we should. I think we should emphasise that the four 0 and it's four 0 to Celtic. And going by the highlights, it, it could have been more. Aye, it was. Uh, it was four going and four going and fourteen. I had. Uh, I spent the first twenty minutes trying to find a trying to find a reliable feed, and in the end, I'd, I'd given up and, and just switched on to the radio commentary. But by that point, we were. We were one goal down, but by all accounts, the first ten minutes or so we started reasonably well, um, kept a wee bit of possession. But it's the same old story. As soon as you lose that first goal to the old firm, especially away from home, especially Celtic Park, it gives you a mountain to climb. And, and I think from that point on, um, it was really back to the wall sort of stuff. I'd, on the highlights, if you can call them highlights, I think Higdon had one turning shot which went about two or three yards wide yeah. in the first half, and that was it. I mean, in the second half especially, Celtic looked as though with every attack they launched, um, they were going to stick another goal past us. So it's one of these. It's not a great result. You'd, nobody likes getting beat 4-0. But to put it in context, I think um, I think we had a Celtic side that were, that were in, um, in good form yesterday. So 
were maybe lucky to get away with a four nil. They were they were fantastic yesterday from what some of the highlights. Sort of, I think when when the settled team are on on form like that, I think there's no doubt that they're the best team in the league. I would, I would even go maybe quite a bit better than Rangers. I think the problem is obviously getting them to play like that all the time. But when they do, I think their passing is fantastic and the goals were really good to watch as well. And gave us you know the key one. It was almost nonchalant the way he just kind of you know sliced mm-hmm. it outside the boot. I thought it was a cracking goal. And, yeah, no, he's, he scored a similar one in the cup final um, against us as well, and the, and the boy Forrest as well took his um, took his chances as well. So yeah, and, and no complaints from from me and that result, I'm afraid. Yeah, Forrest is, is was looking really good. He's, he seemed to be involved in everything. Definitely a good performance from him, and as you say, key. I I don't, I don't know. You just you never see him scoring an easy goal. It's it's always a a good ping from maybe 20, 25 yards out. Who do you think he is, Paddy McCourt? <laughs> so, so prediction wise, I had went for a two 0 victory to Celtic because I thought that Motherwell might have put up uh, more of a fight. More dig, fuel, you yeah. there, Greg. Yeah, I'm not rising. You're not some rising. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, see, you're doing well. You're doing well. See, to be honest, I was putting a fight up yesterday because because uh, we'd initially set up the team to play in a sort of defensive formation. So um, that's not a good sign when you're shipping four goals. But but what I would say is, although it was a, I mean, it's a disappointing result and it's a bad result, the, the, the bigger blow um, for Motherwell yesterday was uh, big Sean Hutchison limped off after, I think, about 20 minutes with um, with an ankle problem. And that's they're not sure yet whether it's ligaments or whether it's some sort of fracture because he hobbled it out there in crutches yesterday. So, you know, to put it into perspective, a defeat's bad enough, but losing... Um, losing another centre back like that's just going to be a nightmare for us. So. Who, who did you put in defence? Because he brought in Humphrey, didn't he? Aye, uh, they brought Humphrey on and they just moved uh, Tom Hately, um to right back. Who Tom Tom normally plays right back mm-hmm. anyway, and uh, moved the the boy Clancy into the um, into the centre of the park. So I mean, there's there's players there to cover, but um, the young Saunders been out for the season with his Achilles, and now Hutchison looking at certainly a, a few games off with. Uh, Whatever problem he's got, you know, this a threadbare squad that we've got it starts to start to show its weaknesses a wee bit. So um, I don't know. There's a couple of guys in the in the bench who could maybe come on and play, but we're really we're now starting to get, get to the, um, the sort of bare bones of the squad. So I'd went for a, a two 0 So I got a, a point in the predictor. Laurie, you also went for a two 0 Yep. And JB <clears throat> went for two one Celtic. So he got a point as well. So, Greg, were you, were you confident when you're making your prediction? I think I probably went 3 0 Motherwell. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I think probably a score draw again. I think I would have been, I'd have been quite happy if we'd taken a, a score draw out of that. Probably more optimistic than I um, deserve to be given the given the final result. Predict with your heart rather than your head. Exactly. You know, where, where's the fun in uh, predicting <laughs> a 3 0 defeat? Yeah. Uh, the next game up is Inverness against Hearts, which finished one each. I, I was a bit more confident that Hearts would have got something out of this game and I'd went for a 2-1 victory. And Laurie, you'd well, obviously went for a Hearts victory, a 1-0 obviously. victory. <laughs> obviously. I, well, as Greg says, you've got to, you've got to really go with your heart. I probably should have put a draw, yeah. Probably was going to be the most likely result. Um, I didn't catch the game at all, unfortunately. I was... Had to follow it on the forum because I was I was travelling at the time and for some reason the radio review radio Scotland wasn't working on my iPhone which was rather frustrating so didn't get any of the game um, 
read the match report and saw the highlights. Seemed like, to be honest, we didn't play that great. Overall, from what I heard, it didn't seem like a very good game anyway, but Inverness certainly had seemed to have the better chances from what I saw. Maybe we'd be slightly disappointed, partly because they missed chances and partly because we equalised with just about eight minutes to go. Bit of a freak first goal, to be honest. Jamie McDonald wouldn't want to look at it too many times. Um, although it's one of these where I suppose that could happen to anyone, really. It just I think he just slipped on the pitch. Unfortunately, he slipped on the pitch when... <laughs> when the ball was coming back to him and it obviously set up Taddy for quite a simple finish. I thought uh, I respected what Sergio was talking. What he was saying at the end, end of the game, he was saying that he'd went into the, the dressing room and he'd caught him apologising to his teammates and Sergio was basically saying, no, none of that because we basically we play as a team. We win as a team, we lose as a team, so... It's it's not down to individual errors. So yeah, I thought that was that's fair play to him because I think that kind of thing could could bring a player down. Yeah, I mean, it could, I mean, like I say, I don't. That's 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 a good attitude either way, anyway. But I think it's one of those that I don't think it's it's not like dropping dropping the ball in the net or fluffing one through. I think it could. It, it, the pitch was apparently was quite slippery. I've had a few players kept slipping, so I think it could have probably happened to anyone, no matter how good or bad they were. So. It's not. It's not a terrible mistake. I'm not Jamie McDonald's biggest fan, to be honest. I think he's all right, but I don't think he's much better than average. I do prefer Kello, but you know, backup keepers. How how many good keepers can you have? Because obviously, usually, there's only going to be one who plays. Yeah, especially when yeah, as you say, the backup keeper is going to maybe get one or two games a season normally. We we have in the past rotated keepers, which I've never found is a good kind of ploy. I think. Kind of like centre backs, keeper, even all the defence. I always think they're better to keep like intact as a unit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Elliot got one of those kind of a strikers equaliser, nothing special. But I'm not overly disappointed with the point. I think I've seen teams often struggle up in the Highlands. I thought Inverness, I think, are probably better than maybe what the league shows them to be at the moment. Um, so I'll take the point. Not the best performance in the world, but. I don't think it's that bad a result. I went one no hearts, so wasn't far off. Yeah, I think uh, I think I took I think I took two one hearts on the uh, on the predictor. I certainly I had them on the coupon yesterday, so I was I was relatively confident they might have um, they might have done that. But having seen the highlights again, um, I think it's probably a, a better point for Hearts than it is for for Inverness. And, and just to touch on the the point with the keeper again, even though he did make what was a what was a bit of a howler. He followed that up sort of ten minutes later with a, a great stop from um, one of the Inverness forwards to you know to, to prevent it going to two 0 So he kind of redeemed himself. He kind of redeemed himself a wee bit with that too. But <clears throat> excuse me, I think like Laurie was saying, I think Inverness are in a wee bit of a false position at the moment in terms of the where they are in the league because I watched them um, first game of the season up at Fir Park and although Motherwell ran out three 0 winners, Inverness, but I think they hit the bar, hit the post. Had a couple of good saves, missed a couple of good chances. So I mean, I th- I think they'll do all right overall. But at the moment, they just don't appear to be getting the the um the rub of the green. No. Um, what was next? Kilmarnock Dunfermline. Up next. The next game, yeah, Kilmarnock Dunfermline, which ended three two. Yeah, I'd went for <laughs> I'd went for a nil nil because I was, I was following Paul Ban's system. <laughs> so yeah, I was totally wrong. Laura, you were pretty close with a 3-1 yep. prediction. I was indeed. I just didn't count on Jason Thompson scoring a goal. I never thought I'd see that, but 
<laughs> yeah, it seemed like quite a quite a decent game from us on the highlights, although maybe it's sometimes hard to tell, but um yep, yeah, five goals. Kamarnik certainly seemed to be involved in the goals generally when they play. So I think they'll be pleased with another victory. Um some decent finishes and uh I think a, a good result. It was a bit odd uh, McIntyre got sent to the stand and I'm, I'm not sure what, what happened with that because they were winning at the time so I, I didn't see what preceded that. They, no, I was listening to it on the radio and uh, yeah, they didn't really understand either. They just said that he'd, he'd gone to the stand and yeah, they didn't know. Um, So I think Dunfermline have started actually pretty well but I'd, maybe they'd be maybe slightly disappointed after, after going in front and I think they thought they'd equalise for a moment. Um, when Andy Kirk, it certainly looked offside from first viewing, but unfortunately, there seems to be a, a distinct lack of camera angles um, at SPL matches if they're not live on TV. So yeah, you yeah. didn't really get. A, I think they showed the replay from behind the opposite goal of the, the other side of the pitch. So I, I don't know what use that was supposed to be to see if it was offside, but they'll be disappointed um, simply because of that fact. But I think Kamarnik will beat, um, with all due respect to Firmin, I think they'll beat. A lot better teams than them firmly this season at Rugby Park. I, I'm impressed with with how they're playing, and um, as really boring as Kenny Shields is to listen to, he certainly actually plays a <laughs> quite exciting football. His team and his his boy, uh, his boy was looking quite uh, sharp as well. Dean looked uh, on his game yesterday. Yeah, his his boy was getting a, a good write up in the uh, sent one of the papers this morning when I was reading them. They were they were raving about him and. Uh, like like you're like you're saying, Larry. I think uh, I think Kamara could win be one of the teams are pushing up towards these sort of um, certainly the top six positions this season. He's he's, he's got them playing well and um, a difficult side side to beat. As I see, we drew nothing each down there, but um, Kamara played some played some really good played some really good stuff second half, and I think we were probably quite lucky to escape um, with a point there. And the fair one as well seem to be um, they seem to be a wee bit Jekyll and Hyde at the moment. We we gave them a thumping the other week at East End Park, but by all accounts they were woeful that day. So um, I think it's maybe just a wee bit of consistency with Dunfermline as well. If they can get a um, and get a couple of victories and, and get a settled side, then I think they might do all right this season. Because I, I mean, I think there are a lot of people's um, tips for being the whipping boys, and at the moment it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I've got to plead guilty to that one. I had them down for finishing bottom. Uh, easily, I, I thought that they would just be relegated straight straight away. But but yeah, they've done, they've come in, they've done well, and as you say, I think they've spent a lot of a lot of time away from the SPL. So coming in, they're just finding their feet really, and, and yeah, they're they are doing well. I think that now, right now, things are going to change, obviously. But I, I think Hibs Hibs could be looking dangerous for going down. Uh, I think nice. I, I was going to say there's teams. Uh, Teams who I thought would be struggling, um, Kilmarnock, Dunfermline, Inverness—they actually look quite. They they look like they're playing quite well and with confidence. Yeah. Inverness, I, I'm 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 still unsure on, but I think Kilmarnock and uh, Dunfermline have both started very well. I know it's obviously early days. You never know what's going to happen. There can certainly be plenty of time for capitulations yet. But at the moment, looking decent. And I think another team. If we move on to the next match, which was St Mirren St Johnston. Who have started well, St Mirren. Um, the highlights it didn't look like a completely dull nil nil. There seemed to be a couple of chances. I think St Mirren will be disappointed not to beat St Johnston at home. Um, but St Johnston themselves, um, they created a couple of chances 
too, so I wouldn't, it didn't seem completely one-sided. Um, there was another there was another bookie for diving which seemed it was a bit of an odd one. I think even it was Stephen Thompson, and uh, even it looked like Enkelman himself, who was well, it wasn't even a clash, but it looked like he was even asking the referee why he was booking him. <laughs> it seemed like he just kind of touched the ball and slipped, and he got back up. He wasn't like looked like he was looking for a penalty to be honest, but. Yeah, I suppose referees read the newspapers just as we do and it's going to prey in their mind that the focus is going to be on incidents like that. So You say you referees know. are influenced by the press. <laughs> oh, this is a dangerous way. This is a dangerous road to go down, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I think, I just think that they're just like us. They're going to be watching the Scotland game, cheering the Scotland on and, and, and watching <laughs> incidents. and it's, it's definitely going to influence them in some way. Yeah, I think um, going back to the game yesterday. Um, I mean, I, I think I predicted. I think I predicted a two each in the in the predictor because I fancied I fancied there to be goals yesterday because you know, like I said, the boy um, the boy Hasselbank and Thompson are, are linking up well for yeah. for St. Mirren at the moment. And I think with St. Johnston bringing in Sandaza as well, um, he might just provide them with the goals which I think they struggled to get last season. If he can if he can start um, getting on the score sheet, then I think St. Johnston might do okay because again. Um, certainly last season they were, they were quite a tricky side to beat. Um, so I, I was surprised yesterday when that result came back. Um, nothing each. I thought there would be. A, I thought there'd be a couple of goals in that at least. Well, Sindaza, I think he'd scored. Was it five and two games prior to that? I think so. Yeah, he'd he'd, he'd, he'd knocked some goals in. So um, hopefully this is him hitting a bit of a lean spell because we've got St Johnson next week. But no doubt he'll trump up with a hat trick. Um, I got. I'd went two 0 St Mirren, so I got that one wrong. Um, I, uh, I'd went. 2-0 St Johnson because I, I just thought St Daza seemed to be on fire and John uh, JB went 2-0 to St Mirren so yeah nothing there Greg what about yourself? Um, I think I took a, I think I took a score draw in that one I think I went a, a two each in that one so um, I'll, I'll probably pick up, a, pick up a point in that one Yeah, It's, it's going to be hard I think to, it's going to be it's really difficult this season to look at who's going to go down I think and which is why like, like you're saying the next two teams, today's game, Hibs Aberdeen, which we'll, we'll go into, I think that's why that, those two teams could, you know, they might be looking a bit concerned that other teams picking up points because they both appear to be woeful. Um, by all accounts, the game today, from what I read, was woeful and <laughs> it didn't sound like anyone created any chances. Um, there was a whopping uh, almost 9,000 Easter Road, so that's a positive, I suppose. That's That's quite a big crowd these days, isn't it? So is that them half filling the, the brand new stand? Almost half. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I think with these with these two sides as well, they're, um, the longer it goes into the season and uh, the longer you're, you're uh, frequenting the bottom few places of that league, and I think that the pressure gets cranked right up in both managers. And I mean, in terms of Aberdeen, um, I'll, I'll be completely honest, I am, I am wallowing in Aberdeen's misfortune. Well, not so much Aberdeen, um, Craig Brown's misfortune just now. Um, I think he's really struggling up there. And uh, again, you know, without wishing people to get the sack and all the rest of it, I would fancy the second managerial casualty of the season might just come from either either of these sides because I look at I look at Easter Road and I look at Colin Calderwood and it just strikes me as a guy who doesn't want to be there. And I think his team are playing um, in that fashion as well at the moment. So. I can see both of these these sides having a having a long hard season in front of them. I think they're two teams who don't 
like to sack managers very quickly. It's kind of like the polar opposite of uh, along <laughs> <laughs> along uh, along Gorgi, where my team is. Got dread to think how many how much money we've spent on compensation for managers. Probably almost as much as we've given the SFA for fines, actually. But um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand why Calderwood's still there. I, I don't, the Hibs fans, all Hibs fans I know, don't like him. They they don't think that he can do the job. I don't think he thinks he can do the job. But honestly, and I don't think he particularly wants to be. It seems bizarre. It just seems to be rolling on and on and on. And I I I I can the only resolution I can see is that. Hibs will eventually get rid of him. And to be honest, it's 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 damaging. And I think we've spoke, we've touched on it already on previous ones. I mean, you still look at Celtic. Even now, they're playing great football. They've got a manager they kind of identify with and like. Well, still less than 50,000, though. And that's kind of the sort of remnants of people starting to stay away under Mowbray. You know, even if Hibs do eventually sack Caldwood, if Aberdeen get rid of Brown and maybe they improve and they, you know, they push back up, you know, maybe they're up in Europe, third place or whatever again, there's no guarantee you get these guys back in. You know, letting your tennises go down to well, both both those teams, 7,000, that's that's dreadful for those two teams. Yeah, for no, clubs that size. Yeah. It's, it's a really good point, that, that the point you make about once you, once you sort of lose supporters, because I think that's it. Once you get out of, and I know speaking um, from one sort of personal point of view, once you get out of the routine of going week in, week out, and if you do that for a couple of seasons and you're not going, it's 10 times harder to go back again. Whereas if you've got guys who are in the routine of going, that's what keeps your attendances up. But as soon as they're walking away there on a Saturday and they're doing something else, convincing these guys to go and shell out three, four, five hundred pounds to come back in, it's a it's a real tall order. Uh, I mean, I know from my own experience, I was I was a season ticket holder at Hearts, um, and then the season after a great the season we finished second, uh, a point in that season, I think it was when Dundee United destroyed us at Tynecastle, and it was at the height of the he's changing the team around and we were just woeful and everything was just a mess and I said right I'm not I'm not renewing next season and it took me a couple of years to start getting I was always obviously following the score and I would go to matches but it took me it took me maybe a year to two years to really get properly back into it because it got to the point where it was just it was just dreadful and you I, I kind of you know when it gets that bad and you kind of it's almost you don't want your team to lose but you kind of you're like right 4-0, good. Now you know that you can't keep messing around with things because it's not working. You're kind of almost glad that we got humped because maybe it'll make a point and we'll fix things. But we obviously know now that it doesn't matter what happens. Vlad does what he likes. It's, you're kind of used to it. But, you know, it got it gradually got back into it. Not so much under Lazo, a bit more under Jeffries again. Um, and luckily we've kept the attendances to a degree. You know, we're still getting the sort of average of 14,000 and we still get up to 16, 17 capacity for a lot of games but you know if we'd gone down another route and had a really bad run for a prolonged period like Hibs and Aberdeen then the same thing might have happened so it's dangerous to go down um, one thing I did notice about it's a, a little topic I can introduce as I like to do um, there was a, a, a sibling rivalry on the pitch at uh, Easter Road the, I, the Isaac and um Isaac and I'm going to try and remember his brother's name. Isaac and I I see is that how you say the his brother's name? Oh, I wouldn't know. Well, you know they're brothers. One place for Aberdeen, one place for Hibs. Or did you not know that? No, no, I didn't know. No. Yes. Right, well. I saw a wee bit on the BBC website about this. They were they were talking about before the game. They interviewed one of the brothers, and then he was sort of saying he was looking forward and getting one over on his brother this afternoon. But 
given the result, I'm not sure that's really <laughs> that's really yeah. hard, does it? I'll think they'll wonder what on earth they're doing. <laughs> what how how they managed to fall so far from grace that they're now playing for, in the SPL <laughs> for Hibs and Aberdeen. So there you go. But no, I was just thinking maybe a bit of a maybe we could get suggestions for good uh, sibling rivalries. Not not even necessarily just in football. Um, yeah, I, so, that could be a good one. Yeah, I think. Uh, right now, off the top of my head, I can only actually think of siblings maybe who played together. But well, the, the one I do like, I like the the um, is it is the Germany and Ghana ones, the brothers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know who you mean, but can't is it, think. Is it Asso, is it, it's not Asamo, is it? No. Oh God, I should have, I should have looked up before I came. But there's the two brothers, and they play for yeah. different. It must be the only time there's been sibling rivalry for two different countries. That's uh, yeah. that, that that was an odd one in the World Cup. But yeah, I mean, th- I think there, there should be some good ones out there. So I'll, I'll maybe throw that one out there on the forum. Some good sibling rivalries in in any in any sort of form, whether it's football, other sports, or whatever. Yeah, you, you could you could also go down the road of having the um, having the fashion you brothers, of course, but. I'm not sure how many times Wimbledon played the Airdrie, but um, <laughs> I see it being that often. Of course, uh, one of them isn't here anymore. So yeah, the, the fast news is the only one I can sort of, I can sort of think of off the top of my head. Yeah. We'll throw it out there, and I'll maybe think of some more before next week. So, I'll, well, I want to go back to the, our predictions for the Hibs against Aberdeen because it ended nil nil. Oh, here we go. I just wanted to, <laughs> to bring it back to that. I like to I like to do that. So, Laurie, you went for a one one. Yep. So, so you'll just, just get one point. Uh, JB went for 1-0 to Aberdeen, so he gets no points. Greg, what about yourself? I, th- I think I called it spot on. I think I went for a nothing each. You've just ruined my thunder. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was building it up there. <laughs> hey, we're gonna we're gonna have to cut this out of the podcast. Right? <laughs> right, then we'll, we'll do it again. But yeah, I got nil nil as well. So yeah, three points doesn't happen very often for me. I credit Paul Band with that. <laughs> he, he told you it, he should. It's the Paul Band system. The Paul Band system. You've got to, you've got to predict a nil nil. It's the rules. <laughs> yes. So I thought that uh, we're looking at we're reviewing the, the SPL games, but earlier in the week, Scotland played Lithuania. After our, well, our draw against the Czech Republic, we we went into this, and in a must-win capacity, and. Although we 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 didn't play very well at the weekend, I thought I thought that we would be coming into this getting a win, and we did. But it wasn't as easy as I thought. I thought that we, for some reason, Levine likes to to cling on to a victory in the last twenty minutes. We did seem to sit very deep and just invite them on, and well, they did that. But luckily, they didn't score, so we we came away with three points. Maybe kept it. The, the dream alive, if you like, but definitely wasn't impressive. I was, uh, uh, yeah, I was disappointed, you know, we lost by one goal, and, oh wait, sorry, no, wait, wait, right, get, get all the way around, no, aye, we won by one goal, just get my allegiances mixed up there, um, <laughs> we won by one goal, um, I actually only caught the, I was working at the time, so I only caught like the last half hour, so I think I caught the the worst spell of the game for Scotland because from what I saw it was Lithuania who looked more more dangerous to be honest um, I was impressed with Novakovas just throw that in there I thought he looked really good when he came on I, I know I'm taking a positive from the opposition but you know it's always it's always good to see 
a Hearts player doing okay at international. But yeah, I think from what I heard, the first half was pretty much one-way traffic and Scotland should have been out of sight by then, but we weren't. Um, a missed penalty it was decent enough saved by the keeper, but it's one of those, um, the difference between a great penalty and a terrible penalty doesn't seem very much to me sometimes. It's just based on which way the keeper goes, you know. Apparently, oh, a, apparently yeah. a player uh, shows great cool when he rolls it slowly to one side and the keeper dives the way, but surely that penalty if the keeper d- went that way was then terrible. But it's one of those things. I don't think Fletcher will let it affect him. I think he's quite a strong character. If he doesn't, he doesn't take the penalties anyway for for club or country, so I don't see why it would affect him. No, it would be it'd be fine. Um, it's a win. It's it's not great. Let's face it, Lithuania are a terrible team. We've said this before. The fact that we were holding on, and no matter who you're playing, if you're letting them come on to you, any team can score one goal. You know, I always believe that, you know, no matter how bad the team are, you know, there's always a chance if you're letting them attack you that one could slip in, deflect in, or whatever. So I wasn't overly enthused by it, um, but we won. So it goes on with this kind of sort of blind optimism that we have that we might actually do something. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was. I was going to say fortunate enough to see the whole game. I'm not sure that's the, <laughs> that's the term I would use in yeah. retrospect, but I did watch the whole game, and um, to be honest, I just come away from it feeling a wee bit depressed, as I've as I've done countless times in the past um, with Scotland. Because I mean, just, Laurie just makes Scotland, points. Just Scotland. Well, listen, listen. When you get up to Far Park as often as I do, you get used to coming away from a wee bit depressed, um, particularly in this instance, because I just I thought here's here's a side who are mediocre at best and uh, you know we've, we've, we've come off not a great result on the um, on the saturday game so essentially the qualifications out the window there's no pressure here it doesn't really matter what happens and instead of going out and having a, a real good going and sticking three or four past and um, past the lithuanians which i think we're capable of doing you know we just again we just looked awful nervous and um, but when 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 the uh when the team took the field and i mean with the exception maybe of guys like um like bannon who i thought was a I thought it was a it was a breath of fresh air, and um, maybe Nate Smith and I suppose Goodwillie as well. You could you could maybe sling some um, plaudits at. I thought the rest of them just looked um, just looked a wee bit disinterested to be honest, and, and actually looked actually looked quite nervous in terms of you know they they obviously had it in the back of their mind that you know they could they could go on and lose this game, and you know they obviously did sort of sort of reoccurring media fallback off the back of that as well, and. I just, I just think it's depressing. We've got to the stage where we're, where we're playing sides like this, and we're playing them at home. We've got a really good support behind us. You know, we can't go out there, and um, and stick three or four goals past them. I think it's, uh, I think it's time to radically rethink where we're going with the national team. I really do. I think one of the issues for me was that we set out with one up front. I know that Levine came out and said, well international teams, name me, name me international teams that, that don't go out in a, a 4-5-1 type formation, but for me if we're playing at home against a team of Lithuania standings then we should be going out with two up front, we should be going out as you say to to try and sort out our, our goal difference just in case that comes into play and yeah. knocking 3-4 past them because well, we maybe didn't have many strikers available to us but but I think we sh- we still should go out there attacking. We did have Snodgrass on the bench. I thought mm-hmm. he did well when when he came on. 
I thought he, he looked very confident for a guy who's not got many caps for Scotland. And he, although he does, he does only play for Leeds in the, in the Championship, I thought he was he was very keen in taking people on. I was impressed with Bannon, who I'd seen play for Villa a few times last yeah. season before he went away on loan to Leeds. But, but yeah, I was impressed with him. And they two are exactly the type of guys I like to see. People who are not afraid to take people on. They're not afraid to... They've got some tricks tricks up the up their sleeves and and really just I don't know the, the opposite almost of a, a traditional Scottish player who's who's mm. maybe just solid rubbish. and likes a good challenge and, and rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no it's um I mean I, I think in terms of um in terms of the, the sort of where we go from from this point on with the squad, I think we we need to do it. We we talked about doing sort of five, six years ago, where it was a case of saying, you know, we're, we're going to write off the next couple of qualifying campaigns and we're going to put, you know, like a proper young team in place, guys who will play with each other game after game after game and who'll get used to playing a certain system. And yeah, as foreign players come up, they can be dropped in and out of the in and out of the squad. But at the moment, it just seems to be, and we don't really have any sort of proper structure. And I know there's, there's players missing uh, midweek as well, but I'm looking at the likes of the back four, and then um, you've got Whitaker and, and Caldwell in the middle of the park, and you, I just, my heart sinks when I see that. And then you get Bera who did okay as well, and and and, um, and the big fella Barton who did all right. But I would much rather see Scotland go and pick four young players who are maybe not the, maybe not playing in, in English Premiership, but who play at a decent level, and who um, who learn each other's games and, and know where your and know where your fellow defenders are, and just play them, just play them um, relentlessly for the next two, three years, so you get a really settled and proper back four, because we've got a couple of world-class keepers behind us, but I mean, you, you look at the four in front, it seems to be constantly changing and constantly shifting, and I think we just always look suspect at the back. I still maintain we have good players. I, I still think the players out there, I, I, that's why I still have big doubts over Levine, because I think the team, the players that he's got and the players that he picks, sometimes I don't agree with who the selection or the the call-ups, but they are far better players than what the performances seem to show to me. You know, like the likes of the Lichtenstein game or Lithuania, both Lithuania games in all honesty. I think they're better players than what they seem to be when they're getting together for Scotland, which again to me points to the management. I don't think it's that much, you know, teams under Smith and McLeish, not much, I don't think there's big difference in quality really yeah I, th- I think they like said with Smith and McLeish though these these well maybe not so much McLeish but certainly Smith's a, a sort of a, a hugely experienced wily old manager and he can maybe pick he can maybe get away with picking the foreign players at that time putting them in a side and getting yeah, arguably a wee bit more out of them and in, uh, in certain games but I'm, I'm not convinced um, Levine's got the experience to do that I think Levine would be better trying to get a settled side and a side that he can kind of play constantly and a side that's going to be around for the next four, five, six years because a lot of these guys who are playing at the moment, or some of them anyway, you know, they're not going to be around in the next two, three years at that level. And you know, where do we go from there? Do we start chopping and changing again, or um, or, or do we, or do we just go back to first principles and say, look, do you know what? Forget the next World Cup qualifying campaign and maybe forget the one after that. But here's here's the plan going forward because at the moment we don't seem to have a plan going forward. We seem to just 
go into each qualifier, limp through it, and and, and eventually just be um, just be kicked out the other end with nothing to show for it. And it's just, I'm I'm amazed there's still the volume of people um, going to watch the national side at the moment because um, I I just find the whole thing a wee bit a wee bit depressing to be honest. So yeah, I think I I know there's it's very easy to be depressed about the the state of the the national team the well the the Czech games both games that we played against them is is one of the many reasons for that but I think that the we still do have a chance of getting through we still do have a chance of making the playoffs so for me Hearts still have I a would, chance of winning the league <laughs> well according to Zalukas yeah yeah they're fighting for the league but. But yeah, I'd rather focus on that right now. I think that, yeah, well, if we beat Liechtenstein and then go into the final game against Spain, then who knows, Lithuania may get, may get something against the Czechs. I think it's very unlikely that we're going to get anything against Spain, but I don't know, maybe a draw is possible. Back in the, the Smith days, I think a draw would have been possible. Mm-hmm. I don't do know we, do anymore. We not, but... Did we not draw there? Did we not draw there when we had Bertie votes in charge? I don't think it was competitive. I'm trying to feel we drew there. I don't know. It might be. Maybe I imagined that. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I th- I think uh, there's some good points there getting made about them. I think Levine is trying to put together his own team, to be fair. I think he's trying to get a team and try and make it reasonably settled. But I agree with what Greg's saying to the degree. This, we take too long sometimes to bring players in, and he seems to rather pick someone who's been injured or is not playing for an English team over maybe and I keep saying the Jamie Murphy thing I never understand I just don't understand why he never gets near the squad that doesn't make any sense to me he always seems to Greg will probably know better than me like but whenever I see him he seems to be pretty impressive and it's a kind of different option and again like I said last week we seem to have no width and we have loads of players who are really similar and then even someone like Templeton it's an option you know yeah. you don't have yeah. to, I'm not saying start putting him in the starting lineup, but He's someone who can run at players. Yes, yeah, some weeks he's some weeks it's awful because it doesn't work. But you know, some weeks he can take on players left, right, and centre, and it's just different options. He just seems really rigid in the way. Well, there's yeah, there's a there's a few like that. There's a uh, well, Greg Wild. I know he's he's not been playing a lot for Rangers this season, but the the tail end of last season, I think he was he was ever present for the last seven or eight games. He was uh, he's a type of player that. He's maybe not got the skills to to take on a player, but he's definitely got the pace to to knock it by him and, and beat him in a in a race. Then you look at the game at the Celtic game at the weekend. James Forrest, he's somebody who he seemed to be everywhere in the highlights that I seen, and well, also as you say, Murphy. So I think that we do have we do have exciting players, but I don't know. Something's stopping Levine bringing them in. I'm I'm not sure what it is. I think I think there's a I think there's still a, I mean there's obviously a huge amount of pressure attached to this job as well. And I mean he carries the carries the um you know, sometimes inflated um hopes of an expectation of of, of a nation in his, his shoulder at times and um I mean I'm sure he's I'm sure he's conscious of the fact that he can't be seen to be Putting a team out and getting getting leathered at the qualifiers at an early stage, but because back to what I was saying before, you know, maybe we just have to accept that for the next couple of qualifying campaigns, we're, we're probably not going to be competing. But we need to look at a longer term goal. And, and I mean, all the players that you've mentioned there, 
um, the, the boy Wells from Rangers and, and, and you know the the boy Forrest from Celtic who was who, who appeared to be outstanding yesterday. I mean, I think we've got to get these guys into the squad now. Forget all this. You know, we play them in the in the under twenty ones, and then if they're good enough, they make a step up. Because when you get Jamie Murphy just now, who's now too, he's too old for the under twenty ones, and he's not getting a sniff of the the national squad. And you think, you know, the, the, these are players who, and I'm not saying Jamie Murphy's the finished article, but there's there's certainly enough potential there, I think, to justify getting them involved in the squad and and getting them used to that sort of thing. And you know, maybe you're marking them as one for the as one for the future, but. I think there seems to be a reluctance in Levine's part to do that. I don't know whether he's just it's a wee bit of self-preservation as well. He's got to be seen to be playing, um, you know, you know the, the people that uh, a lot of the fans and the media are clamouring to see. Ah, oh, you're, you're Kenny Miller's. What does he do? Does he leave Kenny Miller out? It's a difficult one. Yeah, I mean, the fact that there was six English teams looking at Murphy, I think, shows that you know he's caught the eye of everyone apart from Craig Levine. It would seem, but um, yeah. It, it's odd. It's like as much as again, I, th- I think I mentioned it previously. As much as votes, uh, Bertie votes was uh, it was an awful period, and he was a terrible manager for Scotland. One thing he did do occasionally was bring some players in, which he brought the McFaddens and the Craig Gordons in, and everyone was like, "What are you doing?" They're like barely out, barely, barely at their teens. But at some point, it had to be done because um, Greg's favourite person. Um, hadn't tended to bring in younger players, shall we say, in the previous campaign. I, bl- I blame all on Craig Brown. It's all his fault. Yeah, I'm, I'm a you now. <laughs> Still playing Colin Hendry when he was about 64. It's like, pick someone else. So this, this Thursday sees the start of the Europa League and Celtic are travelling to Atletico Madrid for their first game of the group. I was wondering what your predictions were for this one. I've went for 2-1 to Atletico Madrid. I don't think that Celtic have a very good away record in Europe. And I think that all the all the, everything surrounding this tie is kind of going to be getting them down. So I think 2-1 to Madrid. What about yourself, Laurie? Um, so you took me by surprise. I totally forgot about that. That Sion were playing Athletic... I mean, sorry, who, who's playing Atletico Madrid again? Well, well Sion are going to be travelling. I know, I was about to say, are, are they staying in the same hotel? The they, they've booked their, their travel arrangements to Madrid and I don't know if they're going to be I want them to waiting outside up. the stadium. I, I want them know. to turn up. <laughs> you know, they both teams bump each other in the dressing room. It's a bit awkward moment. <laughs> Sion, <laughs> Sion get changed and everything, still trying to run out. <laughs> yeah, fully feel, feel kitted, waiting to get on, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't see Celtic getting anything, to be honest. Um, Athletic Madrid are still a decent team. I know they, they spent uh, a wee signing, not, not, nothing that, nothing big like against Scotland, but they spent just the odd 35 million on Falcao, so um, I believe it was 35 million, I think. So he's apparently a very good player. I mean, they've obviously lost Aguero and Forlan, so that's one plus, but yeah, Celtic don't travel awfully well, so probably go, I think I'll maybe go 3 1 Athletic Madrid. Hey Greg, now remember that we're going to bring this up next week. So if you get this wrong, then there's there, there is it's a lot of pressure. There's, there's repercussions to be had. Oh, um, I've I've just I've got a funny feeling Celtic are going to um, are going to get a draw midweek. I think just the I think just the circumstances in which they're going to find themselves in this um, in this campaign. I've got a funny feeling they're going to do okay, and because I think it'll be a case of when they do um, or if they do 
qualify or, or proceed further, I can just imagine the uh, the furore back in Scotland as uh, Celtic are playing in the last stages of the Europa League, <laughs> having <laughs> having got in on a, essentially a technicality. Yeah. Um, so I and you haven't watched the highlights yesterday. Um, they certainly seem capable of playing, um, playing good attacking football. Whether or not they're going to be able to keep Atletico out at the backs, maybe maybe another matter. But um, as I do with all the uh, Scottish representatives in Europe, I'm always backing them the hilt. So uh, I'm going to go one each. I think they might. I think they might sneak a draw. Is that backing them? Yeah, one each. Backing them. That's, I think that's a pretty good. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty good result for them. I think. A, I think a lot of teams uh, would, would struggle away at Atletico Madrid. So I think that's definitely. Uh, that's almost as optimistic as me predicting Hearts would draw with Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the the SPL and the first game I thought we'd look at was Dunfermline against Hibs. And Dunfermline this season have they have been looking good. We've mentioned it before that I, myself included had them as relegation favourites, but they have been very a very good start to the season. And Hibs is the opposite, so I went for a, a two-nil victory to Dunfermline. I went two-one, so I gave Hibs a go. A corner's around the corner, chance yeah. of scoring. I was what, what foot? Um, I don't know. His knee, knee left knee, right. <laughs> left knee. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've taken two on as well, and on the predictor for that one, I am. Um, I can't I can't see past that a home win. Um, just now I think Hibs are. Hibs are on a on a slippery slope at the moment, and uh, I think they'll, I think they'll toil at East End Park. So yeah, two one for me in the predictor. The next game up I've got is Aberdeen against Kilmarnock, and Aberdeen's another team that's is not doing too good this season. And Kelly, surprisingly, as they've surprised me the last few seasons actually, they're doing well. I've went for a one 0 victory to Kelly. Yeah, I can. Uh... I can see, I can almost hear the grin on, on Greg's face as we talk about the, the turmoil of Craig Brown and his Aberdeen side, um, which he, he'd left for bigger and better things from Motherwell. Yeah, I, I think Aberdeen are, are terrible. I think Craig Brown's just too old and confused these days. I think Motherwell probably got a good deal with that, getting a new face in. Um, I've went 2-0 I've went Kilmarnock. I think they're a bit inconsistent, Kilmarnock, so you never know. But I think if they can perform like they can, I think they can go there and get a win. Aberdeen under pressure from the fans that still turn up. Um, so, do not kill it. Yeah, I've, uh, surprisingly enough, I've gone for an away win in that one uh, as well at the weekend. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, I can't see Aberdeen... I can't see Aberdeen scoring to be honest with you. I think they're, uh, I think like Hibs, they're another team who are who are in the in the doldrums big time, and uh, unless something changes pretty soon, I, I think they're in for a torrid, a torrid season at Petardry. So I'm, uh, I'm going to go one 0 um, killing that one. I think they'll, uh, I think they'll sneak it by a goal. And the next game up is Dundee United against Inverness. After. At the weekend there, I was very impressed with Dundee United, especially when they went down to 10 men. So if they can somehow go into the pitch with just 10 men, I'm not sure if it's allowed, but if they can, then I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory. I've went same deficit. I've went 2-0. Um, again, yep, Dundee United looking impressive there. Um, I, again, seem a bit on-off this season, but I think at home, 
they'll just be a bit too much for Inverness, who are improving, but I don't think they'll get I don't don't think they'll get any points at Tannadice. Two 0 Dundee United. Yeah, I've uh, I've gone uh, I've gone three 0 Dundee United in that one. I think uh, I think based on, on what I saw at the weekend, Dundee United look like they're they're hitting a wee bit of form. Um, I, I think they'll do well this season. Uh, Inverness just now seem to be seem to be struggling to buy a win at the moment. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a comprehensive three 0 victory for uh, United. And the next game up I've got is Hearts versus St Mirren. I've I've enjoyed St Mirren's play this season, especially Hasselbank. He's been very impressive, apart from his well, his supposed elbow slash lash out there. But but yeah, I've I've been very impressed with him. Hearts Hearts have done well under Sergio. I think he he's started to he wants to bring a, a different style of play to to the team. And I think it's welcome in the SPL. So I've went for a, a 2-1 victory to Hearts. Yeah, I've went 3-1 Hearts. Agree with what you said, so I won't say it again. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think we're, we're good at home. One of my friends did say to me, he has a feeling that we might start being one of these, the Hearts side of old, where we're very good at Tynecastle, but we don't travel quite so well. I think maybe that's one thing Jeffries was possibly quite effective at, is going away from home and hitting on the break and and getting the single-goal victories. So I think at home will be too strong for St Mirren. Um, but I think it'll be an open game, so I fancy them to get a goal. So 3-1 hearts. I have uh, two decent sides here, so I've gone I've gone for a, a score draw. I've gone for one each. Likewise, I think Hearts will, Hearts will gradually get it together uh, the more and more games they play. But I've, I've been impressed with St Mirren this season. They've got a, they've got a really good keeper down there um, in Paisley. Uh, so I think that might thwart Hearts at the weekend. So I'm, I'm going to go one each. He didn't save a penalty this weekend, though. He let it in. No, he didn't. He didn't save one this weekend, but he's, yeah, I think he's probably <laughs> just saving that up for uh, the next weekend. Aye, right, well, yeah, good shout for Gallagher. He got Player of the Month, didn't he? Yeah. So yep. that's uh, it's good to see, and I think he deserves it as well. He's been impressive when I've seen him, and saving a couple of penalties is always handy when you're a keeper. So the next game is Motherwell against St Johnson. And St Johnson went through a, a period where, well, they couldn't buy a goal until Sandaza seemed to turn up. And was it, I think we mentioned earlier in the podcast, it was five goals in two games. Are you Sandaza's agent? <laughs> I've heard you say that about ten times in the past two podcasts. Try to get him a new, try to get him a move or something. I you think it's what? because I feel guilty because I said that St Johnson, I said at one point that there's, there's oh, yeah. no way they're going to score. You're so yeah, I feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in saying all of that, I think St Johnston are going to draw a blank, and to to please Greg, I'm going to go for a, a two 0 victory to Motherwell. I don't want you putting the kibosh on it now by by picking the well. I'd, I'd rather you <laughs> went for St Johnston, to be honest. Well, you know how I do in the predictor uh, exactly, poorly, exactly. so yeah, exactly. So, so just that's why I'm I'm doing it just to please you two 0 Motherwell. I went 2-1. I think St Johnston are improving, but Motherwell a good side and very, very difficult to play against it for Park. So, yeah, 2-1, I think they're looking up, so maybe Sandasa will score again, who knows, and then we can we can talk about how great he was next week. Yeah, I think uh, I think if we can keep Sandasa out at the other end, uh, we should be okay, so I'm, I'm pretty confident we can, uh, we can go on and win this one 2-0. It'll be good to get back to Fir Park after about a month of being away and hopefully 
get things back in track with a with a home win. Big week for Motherwell next week at St Johnston at home, Hibs at home, Aberdeen at home in the space of seven days. So this might well be the toughest game of the week. But yep, two 0 well. And Sunday's game is well, just just another SPL game to be honest. It's Rangers versus Celtic. That's the way I look at it. Yep, just another game. Just three points. <laughs> three so, easy points for Celtic. That's all we do. We look at it. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to. Well, unsurprisingly, <laughs> my heart, my heart, real my prediction here, and I'm going to go for a two-one win for Rangers. And looking at the way Celtic have been playing, they're they're on fire after the the, the stroll at the weekend there. They <laughs> scored four, and it could have been a lot more. Rangers struggled against Dundee United, who had ten men, which which does always make it difficult to break down. But it doesn't <laughs> doesn't often lead to the the team with fewer men dictating play, which definitely happened near the end of the game. So yeah, I'm just gonna have to let my bias come in here. I'm gonna have to say two one to Rangers, especially the way Jelovic hopefully coming back from injury. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be quite I'm gonna. Stick my neck out here. Hope could mean I end up uh, getting egg on my face. You know, do a broad foot next week. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna go three 0 Celtic. Um, Controversial. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I can't be bothered with these one ones and one nils. Safe. I'm gonna go three 0 Celtic. I'll be honest. As I say, I think on their day, Celtic look really impressive just now. Obviously, they might not be on their day next week. So. It's it's possibly a a very silly move by me to go this way, but I just think I think Rangers are I'm not convinced to be honest about them under McCoyst, and I think Lennon has got his team playing really well together. I think they've got faith in a manager just now. I think, and I think he'll be really up for this. Celtic will be really up for it, and yeah, I'm just gonna go for it. Three 0 Celtic. There you go. They are playing. <laughs> they are playing away on Thursday evening, so. I think that has to come into it, especially with Scottish teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so I forgot about that. I, I don't I'll, know. I'll just, I'll, I'll just keep it. doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I think everything points at a Celtic one for this one on Saturday, but um, I've just got, I've got a sneaky feeling with the European game midweek and just all the sort of off-the-field um, sort of negative press that, that Rangers are getting at the moment, I, th- I think they're going to be I think they're going to be up for this game big time, and I, th- I think there's going to be a, a fair bit at stake and a fair bit of needle as well. So I'm predicting a, an old firm cracker. I think it's a, I think it's got two each written all over it, and I think there's a, there's red cards are plenty to be had in this game at the weekend. So I'm going to go for the score draw and two red cards. <laughs> double. There usually is. There'll usually yep. be more cards yeah, than goals. But... Salmon won't like you saying that. He's no. gonna be, he'll be on the phone to me saying it's just inciting. Oh, <laughs> he'll be uh, he'll be calling me in front of the next um, summit that they have for uh, football football <laughs> violence. But I, I just I've, I've got a feeling with the um, with possibly the number of new players that might be might be playing that game as well. I've maybe never experienced it before. Uh, I'm not sure these guys are often. Uh, often good at keeping the lid and things, so there's two, factors two or three might... tasty tackles might just ignite the whole thing, hopefully. There's two factors, or or, or lack of something that uh, might make it slightly less card-happy uh, this season. That's Bouguera and Juf, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's surely two red cards saved, maybe, this time around. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I, th- I, think it'll, I think it'll be a good game. 
next week's podcast recording, Laurie, it normally happens on a, a Sunday evening, but I think I think we're going to have to delay it till a Monday so I can what? head to the I, pub. I'm not impressed with that. I'll do head to the pub and enjoy maybe uh, eight or nine pints of beer. No, nah, I think you should just do the podcast, you know, one or bust, it's one or the other. I think it'd be jubilation or uh, cutting your wrist with a, a rusty tenants can, so it <laughs> might well be worth listening to the next Sunday. You can do it after eight or nine pints if you want, it might be entertaining. Uh, it could be, but maybe I'll, I'll stop being, stop sounding so boring, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, you might not, might not stop at the one hot when you introduce as well, that's the only thing, you break into song. <laughs> Yeah, very controversial today. You know, we don't don't want to start this. <laughs> down this route. Uh, so, uh, so aye, the podcast recording will be done. Well, hopefully Monday evening, and then hopefully I'll be I'll be looking back on a Rangers victory. Hopefully for you. Yeah, for, for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so thanks thanks Greg for coming on as, no as the, the special guest. Yeah, there's, of course, there's no truth in the rumour that it was just a last-minute replacement for uh, Derek Ray that couldn't make it, of course, but, you know, we won't mention that. <laughs> See, that, that that was part of the invitation that, yeah, uh, can, you, can you appear on the podcast? By the way, Derek Ray might be might say yes and you're going to be dropped. That's <laughs> uh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'm quite happy to play second fiddle with Derek Ray. Sorry, I, th- I think I was going to get dropped as well if, <laughs> if Derek Ray was on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it was good, Greg. It's good having you on. Hopefully, yep, get you that. on again. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cheers, lads. Cheers. And Laurie, once again, thanks for joining us as the co host of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. No problemo. And if anyone fancies joining in the banter on the forum, the web address is scottishfootballforums.co.uk and click on uh, the forums link at the top of the screen. And we will speak to you next week. As I say, recording will take place Monday evening and it'll hopefully be out sometime Wednesday. See you next week. See you later. Cheers.